Oh my goodness, what a day. (laughs) There are some amazing days in motherhood. And then, then there's pinball days. On pinball days, I feel like I'm a ball in a giant pinball machine. I'm pinging from one demand of my time, then jerked to a completely different type of parenting demand requiring all kinds of ability or or knowledge. And it's a game that toggles between requiring restraint of my tongue to requiring proactive intervention. These pinball days are filled with one parenting calisthenic after another. And I don't usually feel equipped for those kind of days. You're listening to the Practically Speaking Mom podcast, the place for an intentional mom to build a strong family. Let's get started with more intentional right now. Pinball parenting is being pinged from one issue to the next, where the issues may be vastly different from one another, usually unexpected, and often require some type of Houdini-level expertise. Now, we mamas, we're always multitasking, throwing in a load of laundry in the washer before heading out to a kid's practice and planning to have a character development talk with them along the drive while the toddler is snacking on a banana in the back seat. That's being a multitasking mom. But pinball parenting? Well, that is when we're being thrown into the unexpected bullring over here with this issue, and then immediately we're tossed into a game of wipeout over there with another issue. Pinball parenting is all of the unexpected curveballs that require a lot from a mama. It is in these pinball moments that we have to choose either to gloss over the issue and just get by or stop what we're doing and dive into the moment fully engaged with our heart and our mind as well. Now, I know this sounds really hard to do, but I want to encourage you to be reluctant to head into robotic autopilot mode with your kids. I know there will be times when you can't fully engage your mind and heart in the situation because you're just plain physically and emotionally exhausted. There are going to be plenty of those times in pinball parenting where we have no choice but to only take care of the unexpected situation minimally and move on. And we should not feel guilty about those times. I remember 24 years ago, I was a young mom of three, a six-month-old, a two-year-old, and a three-and-a-half-year-old. Rich worked nights at the time, and I had been on parenting duty this night alone and had been up several times with one or two of the kids. In the early morning, I woke up to three crying kids. I get up and find that the two oldest were in the bathroom. The three-and-a-half-year-old had attempted to change the dirty diaper of the two-year-old. I glanced in at the baby in the crib, and he had pulled himself up to a standing position, holding onto the side and didn't know how to sit back down. His face was plastered with the results of a runny nose, and I was seeing the first signs of chicken pox that his sisters had just gotten over a week or so before, and I mean signs on him. Boy, that is a morning I do not care to relive ever again. It was definitely a let's just get through this day alive kind of moment. I get those days are going to happen for all of us many times over. But what I hope to encourage you to do today is to become more intentional with the unexpected, complex times and embrace those curveballs head on when you can. Don't try to just tolerate the moment, survive the moment, 
but rather own that moment as a great training opportunity when possible. Now, when mine were that young, most of those training opportunities, they were for me, impacting my character, impacting my trust in the Lord, learning to cry out to Him and lean into Him in those impossible trials. In many pinball parenting days, We can do more than we think we can as far as embracing the moment for growth in either ourselves or growth in our kids or usually growth in both of us. For example, I remember this one June day about four years ago. I was dealing with a sick child and had pretty much just gotten that situated about the time the middle schooler like broke out in extreme emotions from having just returned from camp and realizing that she was going to be separated for a long time from her camp friends. Oh, the joys of middle school emotions. About that time, I had pulled her out of her pit of despair, and my soon-to-be freshman and college son needed help right then uh, with his deadline for his first semester of classes sign-up. Now, I can remember sitting all sprawled out on the floor, changing a grandbaby's diaper while playing college counselor while my sick child was laying on the couch and the other one was still sniffling through her tears. And I remember thinking, man, motherhood is so diverse. It's so hard to be mentally engaged over here on this issue, then quickly adjusting to be emotionally engaged over here on this other issue. It is hard and it takes really listening and being prayerful in those complex, diverse moments. God, where do you want my attention? What is most important here? Yes, I am multitasking with all of them, but who needs my heart connecting with their heart right now? Which one of them can I put the heart topic on hold while I deal with these other things and take time for that later? Which ones are in the situation of their heart that if I don't embrace it now, I'm going to miss the opportunity? We're supposed to do all this while we're also being multitasking moms. You know, multitasking, figuring out what's for supper, then heading out the door to pick up some groceries only to find that it's pouring rain. I go to grab the umbrella, which is supposed to be right here in the entryway closet, but clearly it is not because someone didn't put it back, while listening to daughter number four's play-by-play of a conversation she had with her friends and figuring out that I'm about to step into bird poo all over the porch right in front of the door. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. (laughs) Too much information there. I got carried away with what was happening today. (laughs) You see, we are multitasking moms all day long. What we want to do as much as possible is identify the difference between mere tasks and meaningful training moments and delve all the way into the training moments. When bigger issues come up, skip the grocery run, leave the bird poo, focus on these important training opportunities, the one that I had at the moment being my daughter's friendships. That's the heart issue of all the issues in front of me at that moment. Supper can wait for a bit and may end up being tuna sandwiches. The umbrella can stay lost and the rain can pour while I take a few minutes for the friendship training opportunity. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at some of the things that I did in training today. I chose to take from my array of pinball parenting curveballs in my day. These were the moments that I chose to focus in on. Listen to these scenarios, and I hope it just inspires you 
to identify in your pinball parenting moments, which are the hard issues that I need to hone right now. Now, at the end of this, I'm going to finish up with a recap about pinball parenting. I'm going to tell you what's going on next week. And let's just get started with my pinball parenting moments for today. All right, the first thing, with one of my kids, I've been working on them getting up on time, right? And so we had recently implemented that if you're not up by this time, then you will not have any screen time that day. Transferring that responsibility, that monkey, to their back of them waking themselves up and getting themselves out of bed. I don't expect that at a young age, but at some point, that is one of the skills we're developing in them, right? So I was in that process of trying to get this one to create some self-discipline in a category where she had been requiring me to provide that discipline. You see, everything in our lives is either going to be self-discipline driven or discipline driven, as in outside sources having consequences that make us want to make better choices. So I had implemented a discipline that happens if you're not self-disciplined about getting up on time. This was working great. And then today she told me, so I read in my health book that we should sleep until we feel rested. And I did not feel rested at the time that I was supposed to get up this morning. So I went ahead and stayed in bed until I felt rested, which was about 30 minutes later than the set time. Now, honestly, that made a lot of sense. And I do believe she was being genuine about that. She wasn't making an excuse, but I think she was also kind of thankful for that excuse. So I had to tell her that is such an important principle that you learned in your health book and one that I ignored for a lot of years. And I had to give myself permission as a mom to stop feeling like you have to get up at this time, regardless of how your night went. If the baby woke you up three times or you laid awake for three hours because this happened, I had to start giving myself permission to go ahead and resting longer, even if I was requiring some older kids to get up before me that day. It's one of the reasons why I need to transfer that responsibility of, of them getting up at a certain time, whether I am or not, is because I did have to learn it is okay for mom to have the schedule I need to have for me to be healthy so that I can be a good mom to you guys. So that conversation was a good opportunity for me to bring that up to her and tell her that that was a hard lesson to learn. And so it is a tricky balance of figuring out what time should I get up? When should I get up? Even though I don't feel like it, I need to get up anyway. And when should I take that time to stay in bed and get that rest that I need? So we talked about the fact that if daily I keep staying in bed till this later time, then that's an indication that I need to make my go to bedtime earlier. So if she is going to continue to choose this later time, then what we'll need to do is make her bedtime earlier. Okay, so that was one conversation that I had today. Then let's move to the next one, which was some math problems. I have my, okay, I homeschool and I know lots of my listeners do not homeschool. So hang in there with me just for a bit through this one if you don't. 
moms who do homeschool, you'll understand what I'm saying when I say that for math, for some of our kids, we use teaching textbooks, which is awesome because it's a video they watch and they answer the problems. They enter their problems on the computer. They're instantly checked. That's awesome. There's another video then if they miss it, they watch this video and they have a second chance to do the problem. Well, there's some awesomeness built into that, right? Instantly knowing whether you're right or wrong means that you don't retain the wrong information in your head as you move to the next problem. Very helpful in solid growth in math. So I love that. But the negative part of it is they get to have a second time to do it because That means that they could then be lazy about being very careful with their computations to be accurate. If you know you're going to get a second chance, well, you kind of have a laid back, eh, no big deal if I'm not entirely accurate this first time, I'll have a second chance and so I'll still get a good grade. So because of that negative of the second chance, I require that for any problems that they miss at the end of their assignment, they come to me and we go over every one that they missed, even ones that they know why they missed it. And it was a really basic thing. Like maybe they carried a digit and then forgot to add it in and they know that they made that mistake, right? I don't care what mistake they made, whether it's an accidental one from a um, just not being careful or whether they didn't understand any, any of those and anything in between. I have them go over it with me and rework it in front of me. The reason for that is because, and I had to explain this to my daughter today when we were doing this. One thing I'm doing is watching for, do I see any ongoing issue with some particular type of math problem? I want to catch any tendencies. But also I have her do it because I want it to be unpleasant to miss a problem. If there's some unpleasant in missing the problem, which the unpleasant is taking the time to do it with mom, then they have some incentive to calculate accurately the first time. And so that is instilling habits in them. And so, so, so much of our academic success for our kids is about the habits she could come to me having missed 15 out of 20 and I wouldn't be upset with her. That's not my goal. My goal is for us to identify the ones that she misses for whatever reason so we can grow and overcome and and learn from the mistakes. And even if they're just little computation mistakes, right? I want her to learn from all of those mistakes, but I also want her to develop some good habits So I needed her to understand in that consequence that we have every day, it's not a consequence of punishment. It is an incentive really to let's do our very best to do computations accurately the first time. In another pinball parenting moment today, little sister was trying to stop big sister from heading out the door. She wanted help with something, but the older sister was impatient and not in a mood to be helpful. She was honestly being rude and, well, you could say a little neglectful in that moment, and I didn't handle it well. I fussed at her in such an unproductive way. And, you know, okay, so I probably took 20 minutes before I went and found the older daughter, you know, went to her and said, hey, can we talk? 
in those 20 minutes, God was so working on me about the fact that I was bugged at her for how she treated her sister. And my response was to treat my daughter in a much worse with my words way than she had treated her sister. So how ridiculous is that? What a double standard that I was having in that situation. And I had, I really needed to repent to her and apologize to her and let her see how I was not okay with the things that I had said. Because I was like, well, clearly you want to get out of this room. So go on, just get out of this room. That was a very rejecting way to handle that. And there I was frustrated with her at sort of rejecting her sister in that moment. And then I do the same thing to her, only worse, because I'm her mom. And to give rejection words like that as a mother, that's just awful. And it's beyond not acceptable. So I definitely had some repairing that I needed to do. So I did. I walked through that and it led to to some different discussions. Well, here's something that I'm working on with my kids. And and so this goes back to the how she kind of was rejecting her siblings' attention. I want my kids to understand. Oh, let me just tell you exactly my words to her. God gave you a certain number of years to have daily influence in your younger siblings' lives and your older siblings' lives. He has specific lessons. He wants your sibling to learn from you. And he has specific lessons. He wants you to learn from your sibling. Don't waste any of your days. Don't think just of yourself in a situation, whether that's thinking of yourself by avoiding the sibling or reacting instead of responding in a healthy way or maybe bullying or manipulating, or retaliating, or overlooking, or accidentally irritating, or intentionally irritating. Sure, there are lots of reasons to be annoyed with your sibling, but God is calling us to something more than that, much more valuable. He put us together in this family because we need one another, and we are the perfect combination to grow each other. If will work at our part of that. Now, there's other times where I I teach that and go a little bit further into, ideally, we're going to have some shared goals in these family relationships. The first goal being, I want to do God's will, and I want to love God. So that's the first goal that all of our family members can have. And then the second one is, we want to love one another. And the third one is, we want to bless other people. And the fourth one is, we want to value our relationships. So that means, sister, speak up to your other sister when she's not treating you right. Don't stuff it inside of you and make it unhealthy in your body. And that's practicing avoiding a relationship issue. You want to face relationship issues. You need to do so gently and in love, but absolutely be brave enough and love the relationship enough to speak up. When we speak up in love and and gentleness, but honesty, we are saying, I value this relationship. And we're also saying, I value you. 
I value you enough for me to do the hard work in this relationship with you. I value you. I want your wholeness. I want no broken parts of you. And I don't know exactly what ways that God wants me to help you be whole, but if I be about loving you and honoring our relationship, then I can trust God to use my faithfulness in those things to help generate healing and growth and restoration and encouragement in you. Encouragement, maybe also some stretching, some growth that can not always, it's not always pleasant, but it is worth it. Okay, moving on to the next parenting issue of the day. This is a different time of the day. So one of them was displaying some irritated attitude and, and irritated actions. And they go and sit on the back porch, clearly frustrated. Now, I don't know what they're frustrated about. It's our tendency, because we're all self-centered people, <laughs> to think they're frustrated at me. Or why should they act that way towards me? I didn't do anything. You know, those kind of thoughts. And even as a mom, I'll have those feelings and thoughts. But first, identifying clearly there's something going on. They're sitting on the back porch. Now, that could be an avoidance move. You know, they're avoiding dealing with something. Or it could also be a cooling down. Let me cool down. Let me get perspective. And I need to make room for that and allow for that. But I don't know which is going on at the time. Okay. So I give it some time. And then pretty soon she comes back in. And so I can ask the question Can you tell me? uh, You know, I can tell you're irritated. Can you tell me if you're irritated at a person? or you're irritated about a thing, or you're irritated about a thought. And so let's say she says a person. Now, then I can ask, is it a person in the house or a person that doesn't live here? And yeah, this is very tricky because how how do I put into words for you that, yes, sometimes we can expect our kids just be honest with me and don't make me play a guessing game with you that I have to ask just the perfect question for you to be honest with me. And I'll say that plenty of times with kids, you know, especially if we're dealing with an issue of truth and honesty. You don't only tell me the truth if I ask just the right question to pull the truth out of you. It's not my job to to play hunting for the truth. But in this particular case, I was trying to gently identify whether she just needed some space and some time, or if she was stuffing feelings inside of her, because she's one of my kiddos that, that stuffs feelings in and isn't quick to face and deal with the uncomfortable issues. So I just needed to make sure that she was just getting a little bit of time for clarity and, and to calm down or whatever, and, and making sure it wasn't that she was stuffing and avoiding. So I was trying to ask some gentle, clarifying questions is this about a person, a thing, or is this about a thought? You don't have to tell me exactly what's going on, but which of those categories? Person. Okay. And can you just tell me, is it a person in this house or not in this house? And she said, not in this house. And then we were able to just leave it at that for now. And then just that opening up a little bit, a little bit later, she comes and tells me, you know, the whole thing. 
And that's great. So I just, it's my job as mom to monitor and make sure that they're an okay trajectory, but also leave some space for God to work with them, for them to hear the Holy Spirit. I can't take the place of the Holy Spirit in my kids' lives. So I need to leave some space for that while also probing a bit, you know, and maybe in a couple hours I would probe a little more, but I didn't need to because she came and told me the rest of the story in a little bit. They need to know you care and that you also are giving space, but that you're you're also the parent, and so you need to dig a little bit. Pinball parenting. These are the heart issues, the training issues, relationship issues that we weren't expecting today, but they're the important things of this day. These unplanned parenting moments are the shaping opportunities for our kids. It requires a lot of us mamas to switch from comforter to teacher to disciplinarian to college counselor. But in these times of training, we are shaping hearts. We're transforming relationships. We're impacting habits and we're really affecting the future of our kids. It's worth it. You might need a helmet and some safety gear while you're in that game of pinball. But mama, hang in there and know that there is purpose in your pinball parenting day. If you want more help from me, Val Harrison, then head over to my website, practicallyspeakingmom.com. While there, be sure to subscribe to my Monday email list, once a week, you will get an email from me containing the podcast, blog post, or or maybe an entire newsletter and coupons. Join me here next week also, as I am joined in the studio by my husband, Rich, for episode 90, can't believe it, episode 90, Making Marriage Meaningful. Oh, and join in the conversation today in my Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family. I'll see you next week.